This Week in Agriculture, a production of the Red River Farm Network. With a look at markets, I'm Randy Conan. Grain markets put in a two-sided week. U.S. Commodities President Don Rose said the grain trade squared positions going into the weekend and ahead of next week's supply-demand report. We had a blow-off type of bottom on uh, Wednesday on the grain market, and you know we spiked bottomed, and so I think we had a technical recovery uh, going into Wednesday's crop report, uh, you know, we'll see once what they say from uh, South America crop in the world and U.S. ending stocks. Market mentality shifting to a little more cautious approach. Ag Resource Company President Dan Bossi said USDA's ag outlook forum last week seemed to have taken the wind out of the market. Yeah, the USDA outlook uh, conference last week kind of gave us a change in mentality when it hit corn end stocks, you know, in the Oh, I want to say at two billion bushels, but let's say one nine to one eight, and that kind of caught the the trade by uh, surprise. And when you have those kind of big end stocks in corn, it's just hard to keep beans where they're at. And so that was kind of the mentality that gave us a shift here. Again, it's only February or the end of February. We've got a lot of growing season, a lot of things ahead. But that USD outlook meeting kind of is the shift in which mentality goes from South America, maybe to the new growing season across the Northern Hemisphere. Also, volatility causing by uh, the commitment of traders report not being available. Bolt Marketing market analyst Dwayne Bossy said that's been a frustration. That's the one thing in the 20-plus years I've done this that hasn't changed technology-wise. You know, on Friday afternoon, we get a report that says where the funds were as of Tuesday night. Now, I understood back when we had pits and open outcry, you know, there's probably a lot of sheets of paper and people to calculate that. Nowadays, that should be almost instant. But, you know, there were some cybersecurity attacks, so now we're behind on the commitment traders report. Honestly, it's one of the most favorite reports for me to look at Friday afternoon because Whatever I think about the markets is great. <laughs> that's my opinion. But what the funds do, that's going to move the market with their volume. So it's a very important report for me, and I'm disappointed we aren't having the updated numbers. The grains managed to find some footing by midweek. Summit Commodities market analyst Tim Marsh thinks some of that early week sell-off was fund liquidation. When that egg form report came out, the reports came out last Thursday. It was kind of the last, you know, last straw for the corn and the bean markets. They started to fall under their own weight, uh, and then the beans, you could you could uh, uh, blame the size of the Brazilian crop. It's going to be more than big enough to offset any losses in the Argentine crop. So, uh, But the breaks have been more severe than we thought, and, and I think that's due to the fact that uh, the funds were along more contracts than we expected. Global Commodity Analytics and Consulting President Mike Zuzlo says the cash cattle market appears to be supporting the livestock complex. Maybe we are finally getting some cash trade developed. It would make sense because ever since the cattle on feed report marketing's number of almost 104%, you would think that with the profitability in beef right now for packers and what the cattle on feed report suggested being very short in terms of very current and maybe even marketing's pulled ahead given those kind of marketing's numbers, that we would be in the hunt if we were watching the Packers right now. So maybe we finally got some end-of-the-week trade, and it's maybe up towards that 166, and maybe that April futures is reacting accordingly. Senior Group Ag Hedge Lead Ted Seifred said the livestock markets have been fairly stable. Feeder cattle somewhat predictably higher with a, a bigger down day in corn, although I think uh, you'd, you'd want to see them a little bit higher than they are, only up 85 at the moment. Um, and cattle somewhat mixed, uh, just a little bit higher. You know, we've been kind of on both sides today, but, you know, up 37 in that April. Uh, so a little bit of a holding pattern 
in the cattle complex. And that's a look at markets this week in agriculture. I'm Randy Conan. Join Premium Ag Solutions for their annual Ag Day event, Thursday, March 9th, at Premium Ag Solutions, four and a half miles east of Hitterdahl, Minnesota. Speakers include World Weather Incorporated Ag Meteorologist Drew Lerner, Brent Horner from Precision Planting, and Martinson Ag Risk Management Market Analyst Randy Martinson. Registration and refreshments at 12.30, program at 1, Thursday, March 9th, Ag Day, with Premium Ag Solutions at Hitterdahl. Early mornings, late nights, rain, snow, sunshine. You've clocked in a 40-hour work week, and it's only Tuesday. No one works harder than the American farmer and rancher. The Red River Farm Network is proud to deliver farm news, markets, and weather to the innovators and decision makers. 90 minutes of farm programs each weekday, four farm broadcasters, and one ag meteorologist. On air, online, and on the go, the Red River Farm Network is reporting agriculture's business. A look at farm news this week in agriculture. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Global economic factors have had a big influence on the fertilizer market. StoneX Vice President of Fertilizer Josh Linville says global fertilizer production is trying to increase capacity. Today, we sit there, the effect of global production is a little bit above. There's a little bit of wide area there between production and demand. We've got a little excess capacity. By the time we hit 2025, those lines are almost married. There's not a tremendous amount of new production coming. We've got some plants coming on India. They've been struggling to get them running. There's a plant in Africa that's online. They've been doing fairly well with it from everything I can understand. But we are not seeing the huge swings. The last couple times that we had anything this close, 2008, got similar to 25, new production came. 2012, got very close, a lot of new production came. We're not seeing the new production like it has been. Minnesota's updated budget forecast remains unchanged from the previous report in November. The budget surplus total $17.5 billion. Governor Tim Walz praised this announcement. First and foremost, this is good news for Minnesotans. This is a uh, state that people know how to work hard. It's a state that's invested in infrastructure over many, many decades. It's a state that understands our greatest natural resource is our people. Having a highly educated population has allowed us to create an economy that allowed us to weather some of the most challenging times in our nation's history over the last three years and be in a solid position. And Senate Minority Leader Mark Johnson emphasized a new approach was taken with this budget forecast. The, the numbers right now, the way they're reported, look pretty even to what the November forecast is. Uh, but I think we should all be cognizant of the inflationary effect that's built into that. If you add in that $1.4 billion, the interesting part is that we have $19 billion surplus. That's how it would have been reported last week had the governor not signed the bill. And so I just want people to be cognizant of that issue uh, that's going forward. North Dakota has joined 23 other states challenging the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency in the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers' revised definition of the waters of the United States rule. North Dakota A. Commissioner Doug Goring says the revised rule is a blatant overreach of authority that significantly and unlawfully expands federal control over state and local land and water resources. North Dakota Attorney General Drew Wrigley filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court in North Dakota challenging the definition of WOTUS. And due to declining enrollment and, and a $7.6 million deficit, North Dakota State University is implementing budget cuts. NDSU Vice President of Agricultural Affairs Greg Lardy outlines the impact on the Ag College. 
we're uh, in a position here in the College of Agriculture, Food Systems, and Natural Resources where we uh, ended up uh, merging one of our academic programs uh, into another with uh, Ag Systems Management, merging into Precision Ag, and then also, uh, unfortunately, had to deal with some faculty cuts as well. Supply chain headaches should be reduced in the season ahead. CHS Executive Vice President of Country Operations Rick Dusick does not expect significant problems in securing crop protection products. I think they're going to be significantly reduced. It feels like supply will be pretty good. Not to say there won't be you know, a substitution or two here and there, but it, it feels like things have eased to, to some degree. Dusick says lessons have been learned from the recent supply chain issues. You know, I think the industry's done a really good job to prepare. I think farmers are thinking thinking about this stuff a little further out than maybe they have in the past, just with the challenges we've had in the last couple of years. You know, profitability on the farm is still, you know, pretty good. If you if you had a crop, things are things are pretty good. There's some areas that have drought, obviously. Uh, and I think I think there, there's an opportunity for, for the producer and the industry to do to do reasonably well. And that's a look at farm news this week in agriculture. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Have you adjusted your crop insurance policy to reflect the increase in commodity prices and input costs? Hi, this is Bethany Rents, crop insurance agent with Irie Insurance. We want to partner with you to provide you a comprehensive policy structure to protect your farm's revenue and preserve your equity. Give us a call today to set up a time to meet with an Irie Insurance agent prior to March 15th. For contact information, please visit our website at irieins.com. You're protected and appreciated at Irie. Irie Insurance is an equal opportunity provider. From Roseau to Aberdeen and Benson to Rugby, we cover agriculture here on the Red River Farm Network. Agriculture is big business, and we cover it that way with markets, market analysis, crop progress reports, USDA crop and supply demand reports, farm policy, and trade issues. We focus on the news that drives the markets. If it affects your bottom line, you'll hear about it here on the Red River Farm Network. Go online to rrfn.com. You'll find news, podcasts, weather, and more. A look at weather this week in agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman. Water levels on the Mississippi River are returning to a more normal situation. That's after barge traffic was hurt by record low water levels in 2022. Above normal moisture will likely keep the Ohio River and Mississippi River in good shape this season. NDSU Extension Livestock Stewardship Specialist Gerald Stucka says it's important to be prepared to act as inclement weather strikes during calving season. If that calf is not nursed, the mouth is cold, and it's not laying in a comfortable situation, you've got two choices, maybe three, but two choices for sure. Either you bring something out for that calf to nurse, or you get that cow and calf into a place where you can help that calf nurse. And if it still won't nurse, then you'll have to feed the calf yourself. And we also talked in this context, if a calf's really cold, it's probably best not to give that calf something to eat right away, but to actually warm up its body temperature so that you're not trying to warm up inside of the animal with a warm feed. You're better off bringing that animal up to a little bit more normal temperature and then providing something for that animal. Soybean and Corn Advisor President Michael Cordonier cut his Argentine soybean crop estimate by 2 million metric tons due to ongoing drought. Cardonier says Argentina is a mess. Problem after problem. You know, they had uh, an unbelievable early frost a couple weeks ago uh, in the middle of the summer. You know, in the same area they had the frost, within the same week it went from 85 degrees 
to a frost and caught everybody by surprise. So everybody's lowering their numbers in Argentina. It, it, it keeps getting lower and lower. You know, everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Winds in the last two weeks topped 100 miles per hour across parts of the southern plains in Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. Texas Wheat Producers Director of Communications Darby Campsey says the windstorm has affected some of the dryland wheat crop. The recent windstorms, you know, our main concern is if the wheat has a strong enough root system developed to withstand those high winds. And, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of producers who planted in the fall were planting into dry conditions, um, and we may have had some pretty short root systems developed because then they went into winter dormancy. So we have certainly heard about wheat being pulled out of the ground. Um, You know, at this point in its life cycle, it can't really act as much of a cover crop to keep the dirt on the ground. The three-year ongoing drought in the southern plains means soil moisture was already dry before the high winds swept through. Campsie says some of the wheat crop can still be utilized for grazing. 19% of the Kansas wheat crop is in good to excellent condition. That's down from 21% in January. USDA is reporting a different scenario in Oklahoma. The updated crop progress report found 36% of Oklahoma's wheat rated good to excellent. That's up from 17% a month ago. Crop ratings declined in Colorado and Nebraska and improved in Texas, Montana, and the Dakotas. The latest U.S. drought monitor shows improvements in drought areas. USDA's meteorologist Brad Rippey says for the first time in two years, more than 40% of the U.S. is out of drought. But we're not out of the woods yet. We still have some significant drought lasting and persisting in parts of the Great Plains. We still see more than half of Kansas, 52.4%, covered by extreme or exceptional drought. That's the highest number in the nation. That is followed by Nebraska, just over 40% extreme to exceptional drought coverage at the end of February, and Oklahoma at 36.6% in D3 to D4. That's your look at weather this week in agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Whitney Pittman. Even when a crop is insured through standard insurance options, it may not always be enough. A supplemental coverage option or enhanced coverage option can provide extra protection. SEO and ECO are area-based policies that could insure yields as high as 95%. To find out if an SEO or ECO policy is right for you, Contact the insurance team at Egg Country Farm Credit Services. Egg Country, focused on ag, focused on you. World Weather Incorporated Senior Meteorologist Drew Lerner is your trusted source for agricultural weather. From the Northern Plains, we do expect some showers to develop and a couple of thunderstorms. The majority of the meaningful rain, though, is going to be in southern Canada. To South America, Buenos Aires, La Pampa, and Cordoba, but it doesn't occur until we get into next week, leaving plenty of time for changes in the forecast. Drew Lerner, only on the Red River Farm Network. We're reporting agriculture's business.